0: And everybody gets it back again Don't take no mess at the Rose Garden These us their own fire They're what they desire The men in black can handle it Other oh, teams can't it How they win that game today There's just one thing you can say How to Scotty shoot that three Believe it, it
1: ain't
0: easy How did Ryan jump so sweet Believe me, it, it ain't easy It's the flying dog that's in your lap
1: Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the proprietor and author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com for free or paid subscriptions. I just got back from Santa Barbara yesterday. You can read all my coverage from training camp uh, at rosegardenreport.com if you're a paid subscriber I brought Eric Garcia Gunderson, our old friend. You know him. You love him. He's back on the podcast. We're doing something a little bit different this time. He's interviewing me about my time at training camp and what I saw. I figured since I was down there, I was immersed in it. I figured it would be a good idea to have somebody who wasn't there and is kind of looking at it from the outside, kind of ask some questions and stuff that he was maybe curious about from his perspective. And I think it was a good discussion of – just everything I saw at training camp and where the Blazers are at right now. So go ahead and, you know, strap in for that. It's, I think it's a good discussion. As always, you can find the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, any other platform. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, all of that. And let's get to the discussion. So Eric and I are going to do something a little bit different here. I am, since I, even though I am the host of this podcast... I've been down in Santa Barbara for the last week. I'm back in Portland now, but I've been down there. Eric was not. No. And Eric was just kind of following everything from afar, you know, either through the stuff I was writing or on social media or however else. And so I kind of thought it would be good to get the perspective of somebody who was not down there and kind of... Answer some questions that maybe those you know those folks would want to know. So I think what's going to happen here is Eric's going to actually interview me as opposed to the other way around.
0: Yeah, I'm hosting the Rip City or Rose Garden Report today. I'm sorry. Shout uh, out to Casey and Joe. Shout out to Casey and Joe the OG, Joe, the OG from. The, yes, yes, that was a thing. So Casey actually
1: was down there. So shout out to Casey.
0: Of course, always he's always on the plane. He's always with the team. Uh, Casey Holdall holding it down. Uh, In Santa Barbara, that was great, but you were holding it down in Santa Barbara and I was uh, obviously there was media day. I think we need to kind of roll it back, at least for me, because I'm hosting and uh, let's do media day, media day. um, It felt like the positivity was just very, very strong. Anthony Simons is how much taller is he than Dame now?
1: (laughs) I he did confirm that he's bulked up a little. That, that, that I can confirm. He broke asked him about that the other day at practice. And he just, he was, you know, you know how Ann is. He's kind of sheepish. Like you ask him like, Hey, you, you put on some muscle. And he was like, uh, you know, a little bit. Like he just kind of did it like that, but he has gotten bigger. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It, it looks like he's grown, but, um, it, it did seem like, you know, the, the vibes at media day were pretty good. Um, it, was there anything that stood out there that you remember that like you might like, want to hold on to? It was, like, something you are like, okay, well, I'm just gonna remember that one.
1: Well, as far as just, like, funny scene-setting things, I think the funniest thing that happened that day, well, two things. One was, uh Josh Hart comes up to the podium with a plate of melon. Like, there were, I guess, I didn't even notice this when I walked in, but they had um a plate, of, or they had, like, a spread of fruit for the media, just like for snacks. Mm-hmm. And Josh comes up to the podium with a plate and he's got like some cantaloupe and some honeydew and like some watermelon on the plate. And he's like, man, this melon is good. I, I stole some melon from your guys' spread. And we were all just like, wait, what? We have a spread? And so he was just like eating cantaloupe <laughs> and honeydew while he was up there. So as far as just like funny scene setting things, that was it. But I think the overall thing that I would take away from media day, and this is something that I think, a lot of Blazer fans should be encouraged by. So Dame used the word championship, which, you know, you kind of expect because Dame is just generally more optimistic about stuff than
0: other people are. Dame was the only one that used that word. And the Blazers are going to win the championship as... It's canon. As as PDX Brocialite has, has authored many times. So he's just really taking that to heart. Yes.
1: But... It was very clear to me, and I think this should be refreshing for Blazer fans given kind of the tones of media days of years past, that both Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups are not delusional about how good this roster is. Like, they will openly admit that, like, they think, like, they like what they've got. They like, you know, the players they have. They think there's potential. But if you said to Joe Cronin that you think that this team is you know a couple pieces away from really being a contender. Joe would not disagree with you. And it was kind of clear from like this is not, you know, that past media day, you know, the general manager would get up there and say, you know, this is the deepest team that we've ever had around Dame, like we think this is a real title contender. And all he did in the off season was sign like Tony Snell and Cody Zeller and like that, that was your whole off season. This time I feel like both Joe and Cha- like Chauncey said something up to the effect of like, you know, we still do have some size issues, but like, you can't get everything solved at once. You can't get all the players you want at once. So the fact that they have the self-awareness to know that this team is not a finished product and that the team as it exists right now is still a few pieces away from being a contender, I think is a kind of refreshing change of tone from years past.
0: Yes. When every off season, where it's just like, yeah, we've we've fortified the moves to make this roster a contender, um, but they went to Santa Barbara, which is different. Uh, I don't believe that any years they had a destination training camp under Terry Stotts, and obviously last year was Billups' first season, uh, so that's a, that's a different thing. Um, and and, and I, I know that Chauncey felt very Cha- Chauncey felt very strongly about that. Yeah,
1: this was everybody said this was his idea because he was talking about how back when he was playing, you know, he always felt like his teams bonded more on the road than at home because, you know, on the road, you know, you have your practice, but then everybody is just kind of stuck, you know with, you know, you got to, you know, hang out with each other. You got to go to team dinners, do team activities because you're on the road and you don't have your wife or your kids or your family or whatever the case may be. You can't, you don't just like go home and do your own thing. And I think he felt like, like the buzzword that he and Joe both used and a lot of the players used was connectivity. That's kind of the big buzzword that you're going to get. And they felt like that's the best way to build that because there's so many new guys on the team. I looked it up and... Only six guys from the opening day roster of last year's team are still on the roster. And out of those, the only two guys that like have extensive experience playing together are Dame and Nurk. Because even guys who have been on the team for a few years, like Anthony Simons and Nasir Little, their roles have kind of been up and down over the last few years they haven't really had consistent minutes or consistent roles or so it's not like those guys have a ton of experience playing with Dame and those two guys one of them we know is going to be a starter one of them I think is probably going to be a starter so it's really for all intents and purposes this is a new team and so I think Chauncey just felt like let's all get out of Portland let's go somewhere where there's not going to be as many distractions and we'll you know get our practices in and then we'll do other stuff to kind of get to know each other and connect more off the court. I'm sure you saw the photos that the team posted on social media of their off day pool day where they were all kind of doing the pool workout stuff together. So it was a lot of stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Stuff like that is so, so cool. And it's that's the stuff that you literally do love to see from your NBA team is like those moments of camaraderie. Now, granted, we we saw with the Phoenix suns last year, though, that that, can also turn into fodder for when shit doesn't go right. So, uh, you love the vibes, you love to see it, but that that pool photo shoot could totally end up being like a source of clowning if things do not get off to a reasonably decent start. Just gonna throw, just gonna throw that one out there. Not that that matters really, like, but but I'm just saying. But it's good to hear, and it was good to see, and it's like. They're relaxing and it's not just like they have a long time to just like grind.
1: Well, the thing about your point is taken about that, but I since I feel like since this team is not going into the season declaring themselves as contenders, or anybody else is declaring them contenders, I don't think you'll find anybody outside of, you know, as previously mentioned, our boy PDX brochelite, whose thing is the Blazers are gonna win the championship. You're not really seeing analysts or you know most fans or people with the team certainly talking about this as a title team whereas if this was like 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 I kind of see what you're saying like I see how you could look at like in a vacuum some of those these pool photos could be looked at as like that Dwight Howard Steve Nash SI cover now this is going to be fun if the team flames out but nobody's talking about this Blazers team
0: as contenders and rightfully so because I don't think they are so it's not like I mean people are very skeptical about them even making the playoffs or the play-in team. Like, like, I mean, I think the West is deep, man. That's the thing. People love Sacramento. Like, like I've never heard, I've never, I don't think I can remember saying that ever in the past 15 years of following the NBA, but people really like this Kings.
1: I don't hate this Kings roster either. I, you know, they have, they made some upgrades. People really like Keegan Murray. He played well at summer league. They have, a lot of NBA players, when you look at, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, DeMontis Sabonis, Davion Mitchell, they have good guys. I think that Mike Brown is a significant upgrade as head coach over Luke Walton. I think, you know, if you told me the Kings were decent this year, I I wouldn't argue against that at all.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think inertia is just making it really hard for me to really, really realistically buy into the Kings. And like, right. they're pretty decent. They're like a slightly under 500 record when they got Sabonis, Like that is like, everyone's like using that as like, well, you know, like if they, if they, if they show up with that kind of, you know, they can maybe make it. And it's like, I mean, they were playing a bunch of, you know, they were trying and a bunch of other teams were really not. Uh, I think is, I guess my sure, take on yeah. the Kings. I, although I would, Kings, I would, Kings, th- I
1: think Portland is better than Sacramento too, just to be clear. Okay,
0: cool. I'm glad we both agree on that. Uh, but Yeah, <laughs> there's the there's there's the Lakers. There's uh, I'm not thinking about the Lakers. I'm just saying they're they're going to be in that play in zone. Me. Uh, okay. This is not uh, the time for I guess for our our our, our weekly Lakers debate that we have. <laughs> uh, but okay, so but one of the other things that I noticed from afar, as you know, I was following training camp on Twitter. Was there was some very enticing social media? They they gave us some really great bait. The Blazers' social media team did, and our our guy Fernando, who's taken over for uh, Amara, but ah uh, of the of the clip of Shade and Sharp in the defensive slide, and then also just all of the Sharp stuff. Oh yeah, and and this is this has been. I I want you to share with like what was the kind of like what were some of the guys saying about him when they're seeing him in camp and what were some of the memorable like takeaways from some of the observations that teammates or coaches or anyone that said something had or that was there had about Shaden Sharp because just what we, the surface level stuff was uh very enticing people are really excited about Sharp and I don't know how much he's going to play
1: early on just because rookies don't typically play a lot for teams that are trying to make the playoffs. But I would say that there's three, like we, we, you know, we only talked to Shaden once at camp, which was yesterday before uh, Aaron and I left, but he's actually like, as far as like his media, you know, training, I think he's getting a lot better because he was very raw and very, very like shy and would only say like one word answers to questions. His first, you know, his introductory press conference. I think he's slowly getting more comfortable there, but We've been asking guys about him all week, whether that be Dame, Ant, Nurk, Chauncey, a couple of different times. And I think there's three things that consistently everybody is saying about him. One is just how crazy the athletic talent is. People are talking about just like, it's very rare to see guys that are this physically gifted and have this many tools. Like that's, that was a pretty consistent thing. Two was... Everybody was talking about how quickly he's picking stuff up. Like they'll say that, you know, the first day he doesn't know any of the plays and then you show him something once or twice and then he's just like, boom, he's got it. So people were encouraged by that just by how quickly he was picking stuff up. And then, you know, kind of what I was alluding to with the shyness thing, Nurk kind of had a funny line where he was like, man, I just got Ant to start talking. Now I got to get another guy to start talking. So it's like he's kind of shy and then he's, but like Chauncey said, he's starting to be more comfortable like asking questions when he doesn't understand an offensive set or something. So I think we're going to get to see him play a lot in these next couple of weeks with these preseason games. Cause we know not we, we don't kind of know how preseason is guys don't teams don't play their normal guys. Like there's going to be games in the preseason where Dame and Ant are going to either only play the first half or they're going to play like 10 minutes in the preseason game, or they're not going to play at all because most coaches don't really want to like risk their guys getting injured in a meaningless preseason game. So they're not going to really play their main guys. So I think we're going to get to see Shaden a lot in the preseason, maybe even as soon as Monday, because they're going to be uh, up in Seattle for the preseason game up there against the Clippers, which I will be driving up there and will be in the building for. So we might get to see his NBA debut pretty soon. And I think we'll see him a lot in the preseason, but once it gets into the regular season, I don't know how much we're going to see him early on. And you're even kind of starting this, the guys are starting to qualify it a little bit. Nobody is saying, even as much as like people had this high praise
0: for him. I saw the quote that you had in your most recent newsletter or the, yeah. the one about that Chauncey said, where it's like, okay, they've been great, but like him and Jabari Walker are still rookies.
1: They look like, he said they look like rookies. And then Nurk said something to the effect of like, when he learns how to play basketball, he's going to be really good. That was something Nurk said. And then, and then even like on Media Day, we asked Dame about him. And Dame had all this praise for like how talented he is and how smart he is and how he, you know, asked, you know, asking good questions and trying to get better and he picks stuff up quickly and all of that. And he said something though to the effect at the end of like, Whenever it all clicks for him, whether that's at the be at the end of this season or at the beginning of next season, he's gonna be really good. So I think they're as much as like people are really excited about what they've seen, people are like, at least what the messaging is right now. And one thing I, you know, you and I have both been around Dane long enough to know that he's not a bullshitter. He doesn't just like say stuff to say stuff. So I think he is genuinely excited about Sharp. But both him and everybody else that's talked about him has kind of all said the same thing of You know, once he figures it out, once the game slows down for him, he's going to be really good. So I think people are kind of starting to pump the brakes a little bit as far as expecting him to, you know, be a contributor right away, which is normal for a rookie. And although I will say, though, if he is just so good in training camp and so good in the preseason that they can't keep him off the floor, they'll play him. Like, because, you know, Chauncey has said this, Joe has said this. And I know that, you know, two different coaches, two different philosophies you and I both were around Terry Stotts for pretty much the whole time that he was the coach of the Blazers and it, rookies, never rookies, never play Dame was the exception to the right. Even CJ didn't play that much as rookie year. Like Dame was the only guy, Terry Stotts, you know, however you want to land on it. This is just the truth. he never really liked to play rookies. Anfernee Simons didn't really play his rookie year. Nasir little played a little bit more, but that's just because they like literally had no bodies that year. But Nick, and go on down the line, any rookies that they had during the stocks era, he was just not going to play them very much. So you're just not. Uh, and and so, so, and I think, I think that what I've picked up is that Chauncey's philosophy is very different, which is that, you know, he, the way he kind of looks at it is, you know, you want a spot in the rotation, come earn it. Like if you're a rookie, I'll still play you. If you show me that you deserve it. And so I think if Shaden is so good that they can't keep him off the floor, that they're comfortable throwing him out there. But Joe Cronin did say that he isn't going to force Chauncey to play sharp just because he drafted him seventh overall. He said that Chauncey has the final say over rotation decisions and that they're not going to say, you know, we just drafted this guy in the top 10. We invested, you know, this much in this guy. You have to play him.
0: Interesting comment also that Joe made that I'm not going to force him to play a guy just because I drafted him because Neil O'Shea (laughs) – absolutely (laughs) did that shit all the time. I mean, the
1: whole reason they like Dame's all time favorite teammate was Ed Davis and Neil let him walk in part to force Terry to play Myers Leonard more.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That was, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, there were a lot of, uh, Noah Vonley minutes. Oh yeah. That happened. Um, Zach Collins was another one. There was a lot of, uh, yeah, there, there was just a lot of those moments. In the Olshay era, where it was like, it was very clear that he was telling Terry, like, you gotta play this guy a certain amount of minutes. So,
1: and I think there's something to be said that maybe Stotts should have been more open to playing the younger guys. But like, he's, you know, Stotts is a Carlisle guy. He comes from that school of like only really wanting to play veterans. you know that, and you know, you can land wherever you want to land on it. But that's a one coaching philosophy. And Chauncey, from what I've been able to gather so far, has another coaching philosophy where he is just like look whoever earns minutes i'll give them minutes and so you you know you can land wherever you want to land on which one of those is better or worse but the, that's just i'm just pointing out the, the differences between the two
0: definitely i think for the excitement of this season you love to hear that because of like you know like you said this team is not playing for a championship right now you want obviously you want them to be good but you also want a little taste of like what can be, and so the sharp stuff to me is very interesting, and what has been going on at camp with him and the way people have been talking about it but yeah you you're right, but you know I think one example though like of a team playing a young guy who they really like, even though they are have their or have are trying to win it at the present time was last year the Grizzlies like he didn't play a lot, but Zaire Williams was playing a lot of minutes for them ended up playing in mostly every game this year, they're really going to need him to play well for them to be good. Cause they're going to have some injuries and they traded some people like, so I think like maybe a, like a way in for, for Shaden sharp would maybe be like that kind of role where he's, you know, playing sparingly, but you know, he can, I think that could be a realistic goal. Maybe, although there are a lot of guys that play, his position ish as a shooting guard wing, you know, you got Hart. you have Simons, you know, right off the bat. Those are two guys, Gary Payton, Gary, Gary Payton, of course. Gosh, I can't believe I forgot him. And um, what's the status with Gary Payton?
1: He, has been out, I've you know, when, when they, we don't, they don't let us watch the actual practices. So we, you know, they just kind of call us in at the end to do media availability, but guys are still shooting around and I've seen him doing shooting drills. So he's not doing nothing. I asked Chauncey about it actually yesterday. And they said that Chauncey basically said that he hasn't started really ramping up and doing full contact stuff yet, but he's been doing shooting drills, keeping his conditioning up.
0: He got the core muscle surgery, right? He got the
1: same surgery that Dame and Nasir both got, right? Which the, is the, like a six-week recovery. And this is actually kind of a funny story. I don't know if I've addressed this on the podcast yet, but that big Nasir little interview that I did over the summer, which you can go read if you're a Rose Garden Report paid subscriber, but I was asking Nasir about that surgery, and he went into a whole lot of detail about that surgery and the recovery and the rehab and all of that, And he just kind of casually let slip. This was like early August that I talked to him. And he just like casually let slip. Yeah, Gary Payton also had this surgery. And I didn't even like give that a second. I, I included that in the story, in the transcript that I ran, but I didn't even really give it a second thought because I just didn't, you know, it just didn't really register for me. And then like two months later, the team sent out a press release saying he had the surgery in July And I was just like, oh, wait, Nasir might have accidentally like let the cat out of the bag with that one. But yes, he had the surgery. Gary Payton had the surgery in July. It's like, as we know, it's like a six week recovery. If Dame had any reason to play last year, like if they were trying to make the playoffs, Dame could have played last year. It was it's not it's not a serious injury. They've said that they expect Gary Payton to be good to go for opening night against Sacramento. And I, at this point, don't see any reason to doubt that, but he is, and this is also like a, you know, an encouraging sign from everything I've been able to, you know, gather and figure out. Gary Payton is the only guy that isn't a full go and a full participant for training camp. So as of right now, the Blazers are as healthy as they can be, except for Gary Payton. And even he, like they think is going to be fine for opening night
0: that's really good news uh because yeah you you want your your major free agent acquisition yes to
1: play uh yeah and you- the other good thing about this and i've said this about dane because one of the big things that and you know i i like you and like everybody else i've been reading a lot of league wide season preview content listening to a lot of season preview podcasts from national outlets who maybe aren't on the ground doing the day to day stuff like you and i are and the big question that a lot of them have about the Blazers is, how is Dame going to look coming off this injury? And the thing that I have to keep telling people is, this is an injury that you get addressed and you do your little six-week rehab, and then it's just behind you. It's not like Dame is coming off of a torn ACL or a torn Achilles where it's really going to mess with like his leg long-term and it's going to you know, take him a year to get back to what he himself was like. And Chauncey said yesterday that he thinks that Dame has looked, you know, is looking as good as he's ever looked.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what you, you heard is that, I mean, he's been hurt for four years yeah. basically. Like, so it's, it's all I think on the up and up with Dame and that's uh really exciting to hear and really exciting to, you know, you, you get hyped, you, it's something that you' just you really wanna see like you just really wanna see that like now' <laughs> is like how i feel uh i want i wanna get i wanna see some of that dame like explosion back uh and so yeah i i am very excited to, for for what he's got in store and I think um you know one interesting thing that i I also saw chauncey talking about and i I don't know if you had been the person that talked about it but was. You know, Nurk had some moments in the FIBA for Bosnia. Yes. Where he looked really, really good and was like dominant with the ball and was doing a lot of things like they were running the offense through him. That probably is not going to happen. No, it's not. Yeah. So I guess, how is that going? And B, I would, I guess, my, like, how is that going? And then I, I have my opinion on what I hope for that
1: everyone seems pretty happy with where dirk is at chauncey said that he thinks he had a good summer i know that both he and joe flew out there to germany to watch him at eurobasket and talk to him and you know just be out there with him during that which you know i think created some good you know especially since they just re-signed him and gave him that big contract you know showing that support of both of them going out there to you know support him in in the eurobasket tournament uh that is part of it, but, and, you know, Nurk said something interesting. We asked uh, him about about it, you know, a couple days ago at camp, and he said that the Eurobasket stuff, like, we, I think we asked him something like, how do you think that, you know, what you were doing at Eurobasket is going to translate to this season? And he said that the main thing that it's going to help him with is he's already in, you know, season shape because he was playing all summer, so it's not like... He comes into camp having not really like done you know a full you know off season of stuff and he has to get back in shape and he has to get his conditioning up since he's been playing with the national team and he's been practicing every day and he's been working out every day he's already kind of ha- has a leg up as far as being in the kind of shape he's going to need to be in but then he also said that like you can't really compare the way that he was playing at Eurobasket to the way he's going to play this season because it's a different game they play a different style uh there are different rules as far as like there's no three in the key in FIBA so they people can just like camp out in the paint It's something that he brought up so I don't know I think the NERC thing more so than anything else that's the biggest question mark that I have about kind of any of the main players because like we know what Dame is. We know what Ant is, I think we know what Jeremy Grant is because he's just been the guy that he's been the last few t- teams that he's been on. Whoever ends up winning the starting small forward spot is going to be fine. We know what Josh Hart is. We know what Gary Payton is like most of the guys in the rotation. We just, we know what they are. We know how good they are. We know kind of what their role is and what their ceiling is going to be. The Nurk thing is such a swing piece to me because, We've seen the difference between, you know, when you have a fully healthy, fully engaged nerd playing, you know, you know, you've seen the kind of impact that can have, especially on the defensive end, but then you see, you know, when he's not as engaged or when he's not as focused or when he's not in shape or when he's hurt, like to me, that's like the biggest, you know, swing or, you know, the biggest wild card of of the, out of the main guys in the rotation. That's kind of my feel on it at this point. I'd be interested to hear what you
0: have to say. That is absolutely how I feel. I look, I, we all love Nurk. Um, He, when he, when he showed up here, he was a revelation. We also have seen a lot of high leverage moments where he has really not had his head in the game, like, or has made, stupid mistakes or has just done things that you just really like, it frustrates you. And he's a brilliant player when he's locked in, like you said, but it's like, it's always that. And um, I do hope that having a new contract and being paid at the level of other centers in the league that are more in his tier, hopefully will maybe get rid of maybe some anxieties or things that maybe he had had about his contract. And, you know, and and hopefully that that can translate into some confidence and cause that's really what you need from him. Like you just need him to be confident and also play within what the team needs from him. Cause he's, he's so important to everything that they do. If they're going to be a really good team, and I just think, yeah, he's the biggest question mark. It's hard for me to trust him. It's 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 going to be a really interesting – I mean, obviously, he just signed a big deal. So, like, it's – you know, nothing's going to happen. But, like, you know, this is a big year for Nurk, I think. Especially him coming in already in good shape. But it – you know, all those moments, like, yet, yeah, like those – like, when he fouled out uh, all those times, like, against Denver, you just – like, that, it, that shit just – it can't, you can't help but let it stick in the back of your mind. Like, and so you hope that, that some of that stuff goes away, he, that he fouls less. I do think maybe the way that the game is officiated a little bit more now, they're trying to let guys be more physical. I think that can help him, but he's also got to be, you know, smart with it that like he's a big guy that there's not, that, he, that he's not, you know, MB, like he's not going to get a lot away with a lot of things. So, um, You know, you hope that he has his mind right is really the the biggest thing. And that also like, you know, that he believes in himself. That's what you really want. Like, like when, when Nurk is confident and going and believes in himself, that's when he's at his best, but you just need that on a daily basis. And I think that is the real struggle, or you need that on a nightly basis for your team to compete. And if they're going to make the playoffs, which is, I know it's Dame's goal. Like they need. That's that for
1: everybody's me. goal. As much as I'm saying like they're not delusional about being a championship contender, I think everybody would be disappointed if they weren't a playoff team.
0: There you go. So and and Nurk is gonna be a major factor in whether that happens or not.
1: Yeah, and I'm very interested to see kind of I, I think I think the early part of the season.
0: And they don't have a backup. Like they're backup That's is, the other thing, yes. Their and, backup and, is fucking Drew Eubanks, who is fine, but he is not an NBA like He's not a starting center. So, like, or a starting, like, like, I know they tried to get JaVale, and JaVale got the starting job in Dallas. And so, like, that was a non-starter. There were some guys they were interested in. They, they, and they,
1: Mo Bamba is somebody I know they looked at. Isaiah, too, it was too
0: expensive. Exp- both of those guys were too expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, and I think they felt like once they, once you know all of the you know i've actually you know heard you know kind of behind the scenes i've kind of heard some stuff about kind of what their strategy was and by the way on media day joe cronin was asked explicitly about the size issue and he again this is where i get to you know this front office is not as delusional about what this team is as maybe some others were but he said that in an ideal world they'd like to be a little bit bigger and he realizes that they're kind of small right now like that's you know, Joe has said that on the record that he agrees with that criticism of this roster. But my understanding of kind of how this offseason unfolded was that, you know, like you said, JaVale's a guy. I know Mo Bamba was somebody they were looking at. Isaiah Hartenstein was somebody they were looking at. He ended up going to the Knicks. Those are like the guys that you looked at and said, those were the best backup centers on the market. And then once those three guys came off the board and went other places or got more money than the Blazers could offer him they decided instead of you know, using their mid-level to overpay for another backup center just to have another, a, a backup center, that they wanted to get the most talented player they could get for that money and not really worried about positional fit. And that's what led to them deciding to go after. There were two guys they were looking at. I think Gary Payton was their first choice. And if he had decided not to go or if the Warriors had decided to pay him or whatever... Then I think Bruce Brown was their second choice, but they, you know, I think that was who they had in the group of guys they were looking at after the backup center options kind of dried up. So that's kind of how that unfolded. At least that's how I understand it.
0: Look, and if that's, how it fa- if, that, if that's how it worked out, I dig it. Like, uh, I like, I like, I wanted Bruce Brown. Uh, that was honestly the first guy that came to mind when, uh, when, when free agency opened, but I was even more thrilled that they got GP because GP played in the finals and, and, and looked great. Uh, and 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 he brings a he brings a tenacity that I think Bruce Brown does too but like I just think he's a little bit more physical and, and I, the Blazers have lacked that uh for for forever for all of Dame's tenure. So um very very happy with that um and but yeah definitely uh this season is going to be a real big season for Nurkic. Um what have if anything what what have the reviews of Jeremy Grant been like? Because he's, like, he's going to start. People are really excited about I mean, I
1: haven't heard about it. Like, Nurk was talking about, like, I've started playing with him this week, and it feels like I've been playing with him for years. That's what Nurk was saying. And that's kind of the main guy that you have to worry about his chemistry with because that's his starting partner in the front court. Like, you, you know he's got the relationship with Dame because they go back kind of to the Olympics, and Dame has been trying to get him here for a while. So – I don't know. So far, it seems like everybody feels like he's fitting in great. Uh, you know, he has relationships with guys like some of the main guys on the team. Nurk has, you know, Nurk is the only guy we've really asked about Grant in a lot of depth. But he was raving about the fit and saying, like, it already I, I feel so comfortable playing with him. It feels like we've known each other for years. It feels like we have played against each other for years. Uh, and they thinking about it, they really haven't played against each other that much because grant was on the oklahoma city team that the blazers played in the playoffs in 2019 but that was the year that nurk was recovering from the uh leg injury Mm -hmm. and then you know the year that grant was in denver was the bubble year the blazers didn't play the nuggets that year uh in the playoffs and then they played the nuggets the next year in the playoffs but that was when grant was in detroit so it's not like they have this history of playing against each other, even though the teams that they were on have a history of playing against each other. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a new thing for both of them. And for, you know, Nurk to be saying, it feels like I've been playing with this guy for years. I think that's a pretty encouraging sign.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I I love that. Uh, I, I was big on the Jeremy Grant move. I was happy when they got him. He's been, especially cause they didn't really have to give up that much. Right, exactly. They just gave up that 2020 Milwaukee pick. Uh, so, yeah, no, great, great move. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see how they look in the preseason game on Monday. Um, I, at this point, though, it, it, it is, you know, I, I'm not sure what else, uh, you know, there's really to ask at this junk. I mean, it does seem like Nasir Little, um, as of right now, has, would you say he has the lead? for the starting small forward spot? So a
1: funny thing is we haven't really talked to any of those three. The three guys that Chauncey said were kind of in the running on media day were Nasir, Josh Hart, and Justice Winslow. We haven't talked to any of them at training camp because, you know, they only give us, uh, you know, a couple players a day. And those three just haven't really come up yet. I'm assuming we will in the next week or so. Chauncey wouldn't really tip his hand. We, you know, We actually asked him yesterday if there's been anyone who's established themselves as a front runner, and he said there wasn't. I guess we'll see who starts on Monday in Seattle, but you, there's only so much you can read into preseason rotations because nobody really plays their actual rotation in the preseason. But just me handicapping it from here, I have thought for a while – that it's going to end up being the little. And I still believe that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that, that'd be cool. Um, especially cause he's, you know, one of, of the three guys, I mean, from a, a, a fan, you know, he's one of the three guys of the three guys, he's one of the guys that they drafted. So, yes. you know, that, 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 that's a cool part of it. And he's been in the program and he's been through a lot of things, uh, which you illustrated really well in the, in the article that you did for him. Uh, So it would just be cool for all of it. He's gone through in a blazer uniform for that to get rewarded him start. But
1: I think they would like for him to be the starter, but, but they're not going to just have him start because they drafted him or whatever. Like they're going to, they're going to be smart. Chauncey's going to start whoever he thinks would do the best job as a starter something he said on media day was it's, you know, whoever I decide to start, isn't going to be necessarily the best player of the three. It's, who fits best with those other four and who plays best with that unit. I would still expect it to be Nasir, but I don't think it's like a hundred percent locked.
0: I have another question. What is that? Dame gave a big shout out on media day to Keon Johnson. Has Mm -hmm. anyone followed up about how Keon's training camp is going? I
1: actually asked Dame a little bit more about it. The first day of training camp when he talked and he said that he and I wrote about this in one of the newsletters that I put out uh, from Santa Barbara for those of you who are paid subscribers. But he basically said that when they traded for Keon, because by the time of any of those trades, Dane was already shut down for the season. So he hasn't played with him at all. But he said that, you know, he didn't really know much about him when he got here but that he kind of saw him struggling a little bit as a rookie and just kind of trying to figure out what he was doing. And then oh, towards man. the that, end that of the shit season, gets
0: Dame, that, gets, that shit gets Dame up in the morning, the struggle. Dame, yeah. Dame, Dame loves it. But right. On, and, s-
1: and he was saying that like, you know, as the season went on, he saw him like, okay, he started to look a little bit more comfortable. And then he was working out with him over the summer. And it was like, okay, I can see why this guy was a first round So Like he was just talking about like, as far as, the guys who were showing up every day and putting in the work and getting a lot better, like Keon was somebody where he was really impressed with his attitude and his mentality and, you know, just his, you know, improvement. I, I don't know how, I mean, we were talking earlier about how is and Sharp going to get minutes because the backcourt is so crowded. I have no I mean as good as as the reviews have been of Keon Johnson I asked Chauncey about him too and he kind of said something similar to Dame, which is that like last year he was a rookie trying to find his way and he's looking a lot more comfortable now and everybody's noticed how hard he's worked like it was just kind of you know that the usual type of like stuff that a coach is going to say about a young player I just I do not know just logistically how they're gonna find minutes for him I just I don't see a world really unless there's like an injury to one of the guards that are ahead of him on the depth chart because you know that that always
0: i mean that shit unfortunately always happens yeah
1: yeah yeah. i mean you could probably count on that happening at some point but like dame and josh hart gary payton that's four guys right there who are ahead of him on the depth chart in the backcourt plus you would have to think that you know out of the young guys like Shaden is who they're going to prioritize for giving some of those developmental minutes to if they're going to give them to anybody so i just i don't know where the minutes are gonna come from for Keon Johnson, but I have heard good reviews of him from training camp.
0: Look, and uh you want competition in camp. It's it, it it it's cool. It breeds I mean that I think uh and and that that work like being around Dame I think and CJ when CJ was here I think that really helped Ant, and I think conversely like being around Ant and Dame now I think can also like really help dudes like Keon and that can help with the development too which you know even if it doesn't maybe work out for Keon in Portland maybe the hope is that he shows something that entices another team that needs more help at guard and uh it could be a move for them down the line which I don't think I do think maybe more so than Pat than the past front office. Like I do think there's maybe more of a possibility of like a mid season trade that affects the roster. Even if things are going well.
1: Do you have anything in mind as far as that?
0: I mean, I mean, I I, I was just thinking out loud. Let's just say things are going pretty well around January 15th. What is the significance of that date, Eric? Uh, It's the day that, uh, a lot of the free agents, basically every free agent can be traded.
1: Well, 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 well let, Let's clarify something here. December fifteenth is the day that most players who signed as free agents in the offseason can be traded. January fifteenth
0: is for the restricted people. Is who for their the restricted free agents. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, who had their ma- deals matched? And DeAndre Ayton, very famously, had a long, drawn out restricted free agency. And I don't know if you've seen. Oh, I've been I've been made aware of what's going on at Phoenix Media. Mark, day. I've, Mark, I've, I've, I've Mark up Spears, on the veteran ESPN NBA reporter, said it was the worst vibes of any media day he'd ever been to. And he's been to more media days than all of us combined, than both of us combined here. So the odds of a DeAndre Ayton trade, it's definitely not zero. I'm just saying, like, I saw that dude lock up Jokic in the conference finals. I've seen that dude work in the pick and roll and, and make good decisions. I just, I would rather, it's not a shock. I mean, he's a max player. I'd rather have him on this team as a starting center than Nurkic. And I think it it's something I've got my eye on is, is all I'm saying. And I think that I, I will say though, that like if things are going really, really well, that will make it harder for that kind of deal to be done. But I still think it would probably be the right move.
1: I could see it and I could see it for a few reasons. So I know that they at least were inquiring at the time. Cause I was actually in Chicago in May for the combine, which is where a lot of, you know, NBA people and league executives and folks like that congregate because you know, that all the draft prospects are there. And especially this year with the Blazers having a top 10 pick, they had a lot of personnel there and so does every other team. But the week of the lottery in the combine was the same week as Phoenix's game seven, you know, disaster of that second round series against Dallas. And then all the stuff that happened afterwards where Monty Williams and James Jones kind of threw DeAndre Ayton under the bus and there was all this talk that is DeAndre Ayton gonna stay in Phoenix you know is he gonna is he gettable like because I think most people thought that even though that you know there was a little bit of bad blood last fall when they didn't sign him to an extension for on his rookie deal that Phoenix was so good that year that, you know, they were the one seed. They were just destroying teams in the regular season. Everybody just kind of assumed, okay, he'll be back. It's not like this isn't a real real thing. But then after the way that Game 7 went, suddenly teams were like, wait, is DeAndre Ayton gettable? And I know he ended up staying in Phoenix, but it's pretty obvious that he ended up staying in Phoenix because when Indy gave him that offer sheet, their two options were to match it so they could have him to trade him later or just let the number one pick in the draft who has been pretty good walk for nothing. And I did hear at the time that Portland was one of the teams that was kind of sniffing around saying, Hey, you know, maybe we can get something, you know, is Deandre Ayton in play here? And I, I mean, there were some
0: tweets that Dame liked also. Yeah. At the time. There was that as well. There was yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So like, Maybe about, about DeAndre Ayton doing what's best for him as a human, if you will. Yeah, and look, if you're gonna send Nurk somewhere, there's worse places to be than play totally. with Chris Paul as a center, play with Devin Booker, play with Cam Johnson and Mikal Bridges. Like it's play not for a Monty, be- play for Monty Williams, like. And and I don't think Nurk is a gamer, so I think he'll vibe with them because I, I I think that might be one of the things that they're just like that because like do you remember that whole Aiton thing that there was like that big ESPN spread in like the middle of the fi- in the middle of the Eastern Western Conference playoffs about how like Aiton like spends like eight hours a day playing Call of Duty right I do I do remember that I also think
1: that something like that would be consistent with what we've seen so far of the philosophy that Joe Cronin has adopted since he took over as GM, which is we want to get the most talented players we can. We're going to take the highest upside swings and for whatever concerns there are about Deandre Ayton from like an attitude standpoint or a chemistry standpoint or whatever, he's 20, what is he? 23, 24. He's still young enough. He has, you know, a, uh, number I mean, one he overall looks pick, like who Patrick
0: like, Ewing. I mean, he's like he does. Like, he's, yeah. like he literally looks like Patrick Ewing. Like like yeah. like, I, I just like I can't like I can't sit here and say like, oh yeah, he comes available. You and I, I'm, I can't trade Nurk and Josh Hart for him. Like, I no, that's a lie. I I, I would want Aiton dog. Like it would be consistent dude, with Joe yeah. Cronin's philosophy. There we go. Like I, I, I see. I like that. And and it's I'm like not reporting.
1: A- I'm not reporting anything. I have not. I have not talked to Joe about this. I don't. I don't know if this is something that's on their radar. I know that they were asking around about. You know, I, I know. I know that they 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 kind of did their due diligence when it seemed like he might be gettable this spring. And so if things go the way that they seem like they're going right now in Phoenix, and he becomes actually available on january 15th when he's eligible to be traded and phoenix is open to that i don't see any reason why they wouldn't also do their due diligence at that time is how i would put it
0: okay yeah so basically if you're someone who wants deandre jordan deandre ayton excuse me on DeAndre
1: jordan yeah that's, no, that's you probably not, not the yeah route. you
0: don't, don't want deandre jordan um you know who would want deandre jordan probably the last guy that's true. He probably would have signed him to be the backup center, and he would have been talking about his playoff experience and oh yeah, high level experience. I did not understand that signing for Denver, by the way. That was, dude. That was bizarre. That was, that was one like of the like weirdest. that
1: was like one of those twelve oh one on on July first signings too. Well, that was quick. And
0: and Demarcus Cousins was a baller for them last year. Like yeah. he was a very solid backup center. Like and they and they just did all that uh, to bring in DeAndre, who's not good at all is DeMarcus Cousins signed anywhere by the way no huh that's interesting I would just yeah I mean like that's another like I mean they would need the roster space or they wait they have they 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 only have
1: 14 under contract but I think they and they brought in Wesley Wundu right well that's a camp invite he's not gonna make the team oh
0: okay okay I wasn't sure
1: they're gonna i think that they are going to go into the season with one open roster spot i think they would like to sign one of their camp guys to a two-way i don't have it i i just i didn't get when i was in camp i didn't get around to asking about like which of the camp guys has looked good so i have no idea which uh of the two-way guy or which of the camp guys has the inside track on a two-way i would think just from a positional needs standpoint it would be olivier Sar, who played for oklahoma city last year but and he's a big, I don't really have anything for you on that. Yeah, he's he's a seven footer, so I think just off of that alone, he probably would have the advantage if he has a decent camp. But I don't know anything concrete on
0: that. But yeah, there also could be someone that they really like as a you know basketball ops team that could get cut. I mean, like you know, there's only 450 jobs. Like you know, there could be someone that comes available that they don't expect, or right. Something, something like that too. That could could happen, but. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Um, I, I, I don't necessarily have any questions, uh, beyond, but I, or anything to add beyond that little discussion about the Aiton thing. And, and I think the camp stuff is going to just continue to, um, roll out, but, uh, you're going to be at the preseason game. I'm going to be at three preseason games this
1: week because they're playing the Clippers in Seattle on Monday. And then they have two home preseason games later in the week, which are against Utah on Tuesday and then against an Israeli team on Thursday. So I'll be at all three of those games. The one thing that I want to bring up, and I don't really have too much to say about this that I haven't written already. I'm still very curious what happened. And this is probably some just like inside baseball, like business stuff. But the Storm X thing yesterday was weird. Like, I just did not know what to remake of that.
0: That was weird. It was, they signed a five-year deal, right? Um, and, and they
1: signed a five-year deal, and B, they just did Media Day less than a week ago. And so for those of you who don't know how Media Day works, Eesh, yeah, part of it is these press conferences, which, you know, you've seen all the quotes from. But the reason that all of the players are doing their press conferences in full uniform instead of just going up wearing whatever like they do at exit interviews is because... The same day that they do those Media Day press conferences, they also, you know, shoot all of their promotional photos for the whole season. And they film all of those, like, in-game segments where it's like, you know, whenever oh, you're – you, you know, you're
0: right. If, that's right. They do all, all the in-game. That's what Media Day really is about, is about all the internal media.
1: Right. When you're at a game and like, between quarters or there's a timeout and it's like, you know – Lip reading with Brooke Olsendam, or like Lamar Hurd's corny dad joke where all the players are wearing their uniforms laughing at, you know, whatever Yeah, that was where are. the
0: infamous, uh, that was where the, the legendary Al Minu snow bunny
1: yes. uh, thing came from. <laughs> but they 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 film all that stuff on media day. And so they just, they literally, less than a week ago, they shot all of that stuff for the entire season wearing jerseys with the Storm X uh, logo on. So clearly, this was not a planned thing and i've reached you know i reached out to dwayne, the uh, president of business ops, and I reached out to uh the you know a media relations person at Stormx to kind of see if they'll tell me anything more. I haven't really heard gotten much back yet on that, but I don't know i thought th- I thought that
0: was interesting that is interesting so uh, they're open for business I guess is what uh that says.
1: can I nominate uh jojo or Trill Blazon as
0: the New Jersey sponsor? maybe possibly? both. Uh, a joint venture, a partnership, like that
1: hat, which I I I, I possess the hat. I, there's a hat that they made in collaboration with each other. You could put that patch on the jersey. I, I
0: feel like I, uh, you know what one it, one that could be good is maybe also I, I'm looking at it right now. It's on my desk. It's Hydro Flask, I believe they're based in Bend. Uh, uh so maybe Hydro Flask. You know what is Hydro Flask? I'm. Unfamiliar. It's a, it's a water bottle company. It's a, they, It's okay. just like they make water. They make they make like stainless steel water bottles, like. And I feel like that would be basic. like
1: sustainably sourced or something. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like,
0: yeah. Cause it's reusable and it's, you know, like, you know, it's I mean that's to be saving plastic. Like it's a very, that's like
1: not problematic. I mean, they, they just had a crypto company. So like, I don't think you'll run into trouble. And I'm, I, I would guess that they probably like, there's a little bit more certainty with whether they're going to have money or not than one of these crypto companies. <laughs> just right. If you right. Help.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've got competitors, but it's like, yeah, of course. But uh, dude, thank you so much for get taking us through what it was, you know, what the vibe was like in Sam, Santa Barbara, and what yeah, take, thanks been for like. taking
1: the hosting duties off my plate for this episode.
0: Dude, I, I it was my honor to to guest host and and take the take the seat and, and you know, if you ever want to do this again, cause I'm not going to be in the locker room as much as you. So, um, I'm, I'm glad I to do this just have time. a
1: spoiler alert. I think we're going to do this again at some point.
0: Yeah, I think we will.
1: Yeah. Make sure you go to RosegardenReport.com to subscribe, sign up for a paid subscription, get this podcast wherever you get it. Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. Uh, Subscribe, rate, review, all of that. And I'll be back with you guys with another episode uh, middle of the week, probably after the first couple of preseason games. So thanks for listening.